This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where customers who save by switching their home and car save nearly $800 on average. Quote at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Hey folks, Evan Gulak here. Before we get to your regularly scheduled obituary, I wanted to tell you about a hilarious fiction podcast. Josie's Lonely Hearts Club is a semi-improvised audio drama set in the studio of New Mexico's third best romantic advice call-in show. The show splits its time between antics in the radio station and a gradually unfolding story about our insightful host. I got a chance to listen to the first episode and found its easy charm and offbeat humor made it difficult to stop listening. You can tune in to Josie's Lonely Hearts Club anywhere you listen to podcasts and follow them on Instagram at Good Story Guild. All right, goofballs, back to Crestfall you go. Hello, hello, Evan Gulak here. What you're about to listen to is a crossover episode with Death by Dying and SCP Archives. If you aren't familiar with SCP Archives, I highly encourage that you check them out. Each episode, the SCP Foundation investigates strange anomalies and documents them for research and to protect civilization from the unknown. It's totally bonkers, and still manages to creep under your skin. I've definitely been hooked. So go check them out! Thank you so much to the SCP Archives team. We had an amazing time collaborating with you. And now I present to you The Case of the Phantom Bicycle. Warning. The Foundation database is classified. Unauthorized access will result in detainment. Within this archive, you'll find the procedures, descriptions, and accounts of the most notorious anomalies we've encountered to date. Secure. Contain. Protect. Item number. SCP... Object class. Willfully ignored. Like your grandmother's questions about what you're going to do after art school. The following are field notes from Dr. Ted Kith. We are supposed to keep the names of our agents classified, but we recently got in a fight about carpooling, so you can deal with it, Ted. The Foundation received an anonymous tip to investigate a house in the town of Crestfall, Idaho. Crestfall cannot be found on any map, nor has been documented in any database. Through word of mouth, however, we are to understand that Crestfall is best known for their rhubarb pie and an infamous story of a woman who was eaten by birds in the 70s. The town folks seem particularly proud of this. We both know it was your turn to drive, Ted. Ted's field notes read as follows. 8 p.m. I have finally arrived in Crestfall. The driving instructions were unclear. The anonymous tip stated, Start driving nowhere in particular and hope for the best. I was skeptical, as I was in fact terrible at hoping for the best. But sure enough, six hours and one crying spell later, I was riding down a nameless dirt road leading to the town square. 
To the east is the Crestfall Graveyard, where the crumbling tombstones in the furthest corners date back to the late 16th century. To the south, there is a vast, dark forest comprised of coniferous pines, slouching willows, and twisted oaks. The outskirts of the town are surrounded by a series of interconnected, perfectly maintained neighborhoods. The grass is cut short, the porches are swept, and the bushes are pruned. The windows are clean. A few people are quietly pushing shopping carts up and down the uneven sidewalks. p.m. I am hiding behind a shrub. Across the street is the house in question, 1533 Grumbling Grove. The curtains are drawn, but the lights are on inside. No time like the present, after I get myself out of the shrubbery. 8.32 p.m. A woman named answered the door with a wild look in her eyes. Are you the woman of the house? I'm the only person of the house. I live alone. Assuming I was going to be invited in, I stepped forward, but she blocked my path. She instead exited the house and led me to the garage. The pane on the garage door was flaking to reveal the metallic sheen that lay underneath. What could possibly be inside? I've seen my fair share of unnerving anomalies. Never-ending staircases, deranged plague doctors, soul-sucking vampires. My father, when he tries to cook. What dreadful aberration could be awaiting me on the other side of that door? Pulled the garage door open. I held my breath. It was... a garage. Nothing out of the ordinary. A lawnmower, a rake, a shovel, a collection of tools untouched, and at the dead center of the garage, a bicycle. I looked around to see if there was anything else hiding in the dark corners of the dimly lit room. Nope. Just a bicycle. It was a worn navy blue beach cruiser. Its tires were mostly deflated, with an upright seating posture, a single-speed drivetrain, and a straightforward steel construction with expressive styling. It stood perfectly upright, despite not having a kickstand. All was quiet. Where's the anomaly? It's right there. Where? There. Suddenly, the brass bell on the bicycle's handlebars rang on its own accord. The front half of the bicycle turned to face me directly. Explained that she has a bicycle infestation and she can't seem to get rid of this one. It has been wreaking havoc in her garage for a week now, and has shown no intention of leaving. It has been ruining all of my late husband's wooden duck collection. Further investigation of the living bicycle is required. Ted woke up before dawn and walked down to the Crestfall Reservoir. He smoked a final cigarette and a pack of Luckies. He frowned. They didn't sell Luckies there. He waited for everyone to wake up. He spoke with locals and compiled everything they knew about the bicycles. At night, packs of bicycles roam the streets of Crestfall. When the town grows quiet and the sun is long since set, they wander down alleyways and boulevards through the town's square and perfectly maintained neighborhoods with no clear destination in mind. No one in town was forthcoming with a definitive answer as to their exact purpose. Some believe bicycles have acquired sentience and intend to become the new dominant species of this planet. Others are of the opinion that this is all just an elaborate prank conducted by local teens, but this seems exceptionally unlikely. 
Murmurs on the street indicate Ted might be able to find the answers he was looking for from someone known only as the Wild Man. 11.07 p.m. There are 14 shops in the town square of Crestfall. Of the 14, six sell products for oral consumption. Of the six, two sell pies that meet contemporary health code standards. Of the two, I was told I could find the Wild Man at the Carlson and Carlson's Delicious Pastry Shop. It is 4,235 square feet, with rusty orange terracotta roofing weathered by the frequent rain of the region. I just feel like describing things in exacting detail. I sat at the corner of Carlson and Carlson's delicious pastry shop with a slice of rhubarb pie. Are you ever so alone you can hear yourself chew? It's disturbing. Outside I pace beneath the awning fantasizing about retirement and smoking some off-brand garbage cigarette with a picture of a mandolin on the box. <laughs> I got you now, little yum-yums. A noise came from around back. I rounded the corner to discover the bottom half of a man sticking out of an alleyway dumpster. I cleared my throat. <clears throat> Excuse me, sir. I am Agent D-0389. I'm looking for a wild man. Do you know where I can find him? Uh, eh, I have done nothing wrong. Nothing, I say. The man leapt from the dumpster with surprising agility. He was clutching a crumpled pie to his bare chest. I have every right to eat this pie. It is old pie. It is trash box pie. That thrown away pie is free pie. Public pie. Which makes it my pie. Capiche? No one wants to share a pie with a wild man. I have to find it on my own. Are you the wild man? Does wild man get the pie? Yes. Hmm. Then I am the wild man. Yes. Uh, sorry I pretended I wasn't. I'm investigating an anomaly. People say you're the one who can help me with my case. Eh. Whole town is an anomaly. You must be more specific. The bicycles. Can you tell me more about them? The wild man looked pensive, shoving a handful of pie in his mouth. I have a date with destiny at midnight. Can wild men be done by then? I have no idea. Okay, destiny can wait. It's only the second date. The wild man and I made our way back to 1533 Grumbling Grove. He smeared his face in his pie as we walked. Beautiful pie! So what can you tell me about the bicycles? Huh? Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, the bikey cycles. Huh? Can you keep a secret? Secrets are my business. They are lost souls. Some people die and don't cross over to the other side. Those people become bikey cycles here. So they are phantom bicycles. They are possessed? Exacto mundo. Bikies are the dead. How can one communicate with a phantom bicycle? Oh, a wild man can do that. Oh, fun, fun, fun. The wild man started running at full speed down the street. He had no idea where he was going, but the enthusiasm was appreciated. When we arrived at 1533 Grumbling Grove, was swatting at the bicycle with a broom. Oh, uh, oh, miss, uh, do not frighten the bikey cycle. A uh, wild man is here. Looked skeptical, but stepped away from the bicycle, clutching her broom. 
The wild man began approaching the bike, and it recoiled like a timid creature. Oh, it's okay, Mikey. You's gonna be okay. The wild man crept closer and closer. He pulled a tire pump from his pocket and offered it like a toy. The bicycle perked up and came forward curiously. Now! Without warning, the wild man whipped out a soup can full of thumbtacks and spread them around the bicycle in a circle. Alarmed, the bicycle stood frozen. There. <sighs> that should do it. No bikey cycle would dare leave a ring of tacks. T'would pop their tires. And the wild man was right. The bicycle remained stock still. For now, the phantom bicycle was contained. Now, the bikey cycles can't talk, but they can send thoughts straight into your brain. So they communicate telepathically. Ooh, a good word, Mr. Wordman. I like that. Use later. Uh, but also now, yes, the bikey cycles are telepaths. You must have a blank mind to hear them, which is very easy for the wild man. Uh, that's me. I'm the wild man. Stood anxiously between the bike and her late husband's ducks. The wild man squatted and closed his eyes. He began to mutter incoherently. His entire body shook violently. His neck contorted into impossible angles, back and forth, side to side. He bent over backwards with his belly button to the sky and arched his back so far it looked like it would snap. His mouth flew open, a random cropping of teeth, and he let out a moan like a broken wood chipper. The sound was loud, supernaturally so. It shook the garage, caused the brakes to shudder, and sent dust flittering from the ceiling beams. Then, just like kindergarten, the wild man sat up crisscross applesauce, grinned vacantly, and opened his eyes. They glowed a bright, shining yellow, like two headlights. His voice was no longer his own. The bicycle began to speak through him. Hello? Hello, sir. I am Dr. Kive. I'm here to ask you some questions. I see. What are you doing here? I have nowhere else to go. Well, surely you have somewhere else to roam instead of tormenting this poor woman. Poor woman? Is that... How do you know my name? What is your purpose, Bicycle Phantom? What do you do when you are lost? When your life as you know it is gone forever? When you have nowhere left to go? What? You go home. Oh. Marcus. Hello, sweetheart. Stepped forward her face softening. The bicycle pedaled towards, in spite of the ring of thumbtacks. Its tires popped and began to deflate. The air hissed away and the bicycle toppled over. Dove to catch him by the handlebars. I had to say goodbye to you. I didn't even get to say goodbye and that didn't feel right. Even if I had to be a bicycle. Thank you, Marcus. It's a very nice bicycle. It's, it's been so lonely without you. I know, darling. I love you. I love you, too. Do you think maybe you could stay a while longer? No, I can't. I need to move on. Please, Marcus. I finally have you again. It will be okay. 
It was my time. And I went the way I wanted to go. Eaten alive by ducks. Just like that woman in the 70s. Marcus, I can't lose you again. I don't care that you're a bicycle now. I'll oil your gears every day. We could go on the loveliest evening bike rides in the long summer months. We could get you new handlebars, the ones with the streamers. It isn't right for me to stay. The dead don't get second chances. It's time for us to let go. I will always miss you, Marcus. We will see each other again one day. See you on the flip side. The bicycle went limp. The wild man's eyes stopped glowing and he collapsed to the floor. Uh, oh, um, uh, did I do it? Uh, did I do the thing? Uh, uh, how'd I do? Gave a sad smile, still holding the bicycle in her arms. You did just fine. I left shortly thereafter, bracing myself for another six-hour drive and crying spell. Decided to hold on to the no longer possessed bicycle. She said she was even going to ride it sometimes on the loveliest summer evenings. The wild man gathered his bike pump and soup can of tacks and wrapped them in a red and white checkered picnic blanket. He then saluted me and backflipped into a passing fog. When the fog cleared, he was gone. On my way out of town, I picked up a pack of those mandolin cigarettes. They're not so bad. Eventually, Crestfall disappeared from sight in my rearview mirror. Let it be known that the phantom bicycle requires no further containment. This is the end of Ted's records. The Ethics Committee is currently investigating the possibility of an afterlife, and the implications that may have on deceased SCPs and D-class subjects. Furthermore, the town of Crestfall has been noted as an anomalous location, and instructions to find the town have been saved in our databanks though it would appear that some anomalies don't need to be secured or contained or protected. Some anomalies are best left alone. Especially when the anomaly comes to death and love. You can hitch a ride with me next week, Ted. I'll drive. The Phantom Bicycle was written by Evan Gulak. This episode featured guest star Nico Gerentes as the Wild Man. Our host and narrator was John Grills. Agent Ted Keith was played by Atticus Jackson. Redacted was played by Nicole Goodnight. And the Phantom Bicycle was played by Pacific Obadiah. Our composer is Tom Rory Parsons. I'm your showrunner and sound designer, Pacific Obadiah. And our producer is Tom Owen. This is a bloody disgusting show. For more information, visit bloody-disgusting.com. The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. In the year 1889, there was nowhere in the world more exciting than London, England. Three cheers for Inspector Lestrade and the bad boys of Baker Street themselves, Sherlock Holmes and Dr. John Watson! Solved by Sherlock Bloody Holmes of 
2221B Baker Street. Well, with any luck, we'll get a new brutal murder any day now. God, I wish. It's truly shocking you haven't solved anything in five years. The boys are both out of town for some case about a dog in Dartmoor this weekend. Sincerely, Martha Hudson. London's number two detective team just became number one. Fox and Stallion. Find us on Twitter, Instagram and Tumblr at 224BBaker or on our website 224BBaker.com. It's like they say, big breaks are 90% luck. What's the other 10%? Luck.